From Connects Media, this is Atlanta Born and Brand. I'm your host, Jonathan Hilliard. Atlanta Born and Brand is a show all about businesses built right here in the capital of the South. But more importantly, it's a show about their founders. We wanted to find some of the city's most interesting entrepreneurs and creators, hear about their challenges, successes, and how they built a brand that will last. We are back this week to kick off season four. And what better way to start the season than sitting down to chat with one of the men behind the rainbow umbrella. Today, we're sitting down with Stephen Kars, founder of Atlanta favorite King of Pops. After being laid off from his corporate finance job back in 2009, Stephen took a leap of faith and, inspired by frozen treats he had tasted on his travels through Central America, started King of Pops. A few months later, his brother Nick joined the team. Ten years later, the pair are still working every day to create UMOs for their community. That's unexpected moments of happiness. It's our pleasure to present Stephen Kars from King of Pops. Well, Stephen, well, thanks for having us, first of, of course, all. But yeah. uh, a thing I like to ask folks um, right off the top is you run into somebody you don't know on the street and uh, introduce yourself and they say, well, what do you do? What, <laughs> what's, your, what's your brief answer to that question? Well, in like, I, I say that I work at King of Pops and then slowly sometimes it comes down to what do you do? And then I'll say Nick and I started it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it is very much a, like everyone says, a team effort. So I probably, I don't really launch right into the mm-hmm. started King of Pops. <laughs> Plus that's not really a job. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's something of the past. So yeah, yeah I'll, I'll say King of Pops and if I'm in the South or kind of in town and then if I'm traveling, I'll just say work at a popsicle company. It's a pretty good conversation yeah. starter. I was about to say, that's a good icebreaker. Yeah. I, you know, I work at a popsicle company. <laughs> um, so knowing you guys story a little bit, I want to make sure we don't skip over anything, sure. but I know, uh, I guess you and Nick, uh, and you have one additional brother, right? Correct. Yep. You guys grew up close to Atlanta. Where'd you grow up in? Yeah, what, Snellville, uh, all yeah. went to Shiloh, all oh, three of us then went to UGA. I was the youngest, still am the youngest. Um, so just, I kind of never really, for me, college, I was like, yeah, that's where they went. I'm sure they thought yeah. it through. It's just kind of where, so I didn't even apply anywhere else. I'm lucky I got in. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, started 2010, which now is by far the longest I've ever done anything. Mm. It's our 10 year birthday. So that's, yeah. that's kind of a surreal thing. And, uh, a lot of different twists and turns, and we're in the midst of another one right now. Sure, no doubt. Well, you said Snellville. So yeah. I grew up in Lilburn, so right next door. But uh, what you when you were went when you left for UGA? Yeah. Did you have any any clue what a career path would be, or did you? Hopefully... I was a jur- I wanted to do journalism, so I was a yeah. journalism major. Uh, yeah. Went to Grady, and after I finished, I kind of threw my name into the hat for all available jobs. Hmm. And the two I got, uh, one was in like Villarica, and then the other was in Idaho <laughs> Falls, Idaho. Yep. So I went out to Idaho. It was about um, about an hour from like Jackson Hole, so really pretty part of the country, awesome. and yeah. got to do all the outdoorsy stuff. But the uh, finances did not necessarily allow me to partake in 
at least the Jackson Holes of the world. Sure. So quickly, my bank account was headed the wrong direction. <laughs> Were you working at like a local paper? Or? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, the Post Register is the name of the paper. It was wow. really, I mean, really different, obviously, than what I'm doing now, but it was sure. really good. And I think I learned a, quite a lot about communicating, I guess, and trying to write concisely and clearly, which is yeah. applicable to pretty much everything. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's just the storytelling aspect, yeah. knowing how to, you know, engage people. Yeah. For is sure. super valuable. I was a journalism major too, but cool. But not at UGA. <laughs> unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at yeah. that. But, um, so you're in Idaho and you're working the the local newspaper gig, and then all of a sudden you decide. So I decided to come back east. Like I yeah. said, I was just out of money. Um, Nick, my brother, had a job at uh, AIG, a really big insurance mm-hmm. company. Yeah. And it was just a, like a factor of three more pay. <laughs> I was just kind of like, uh. <laughs> so it wasn't anything I was really that familiar with, but um, I think just he had a good reputation sure. there. And he, they put a, he put in a good word. and. Got lucky with that, and I was there for probably two and a half, three years until the the uh, recession started, 2008. I made it about a year um, through a bunch of layoffs and stuff because I was kind of the cheapest guy in the in the place. <laughs> and uh, but eventually, my my day came and I got laid off. Um, and I guess in some ways because I knew it was coming, like the guy next to you, one month would go and then. I kind of always felt bad because I was the, I mean, I didn't have really any responsibilities. They had families and it was just a really obviously bad feeling to, sure. to watch the people that you kind of got to know, um, let go. And I, I really didn't want to be a part of that again. Um, and then in addition to that, I come from a family of just, I think good, you know, we already talked about story, but good storytellers. And I was just having this moment of like imagining myself on a, as a grandfather, like on a porch saying without many stories to tell. So (laughs) I knew that at least starting a popsicle company would be something interesting to talk about. And I certainly never thought, I really didn't think I'd probably do it for more than a year. Uh, I certainly never thought that we would sell, like have employees and and all of that stuff. So kind of of interesting to think back on. Correct me if I'm wrong, but where, was it you and Nick were on a on a trip in uh, South yeah. America? How, where did you guys get the inspiration? Yeah, so my oldest brother is an anthropologist, okay. and he was in uh, Ecuador, Panama, a lot of places throughout Central and South America. Right. And I would just basically any vacation was just go crash on his couch. Hmm. Uh, Nick came oftentimes when he had vacations, so we we just fell in he. I don't really know why we fell in love with the paleta. We just started seeing it out and about. Um, and would it became like a little bit of a theme of some of the travels. Like I can remember far before thinking this might be a business, like just doing like internet research about the different places we could go. Sure. Uh, and then after a couple of years of that, I mean, that was like starting in the beginning of college. A couple of years of that, we did start to like daydream about, hey, it would be something really cool to do as a business one day. Mm-hmm but really just no time horizon, just kind of a abstract, this would be something interesting. Sure, sure. So then when I, got laid, when, I, when I got laid off, and even a little bit before when I kind of knew it was impending, I did start to think about, hey, should we do this? This seems like the right time. <laughs> Nick had just uh, finished law school about a year, less, less than a year before I had been laid off, so it was kind of like a, 
not great time for him. Like he had just <laughs> racked up some student debt and was making pretty good money. Yeah. Um, but I started on my own with just him helping really a lot on the weekends and all my family and stuff. And then I think by the end of May, I, I remember having a conversation of just like, Hey, I'm gonna have to hire somebody. If you want to do this, we'll do it 50, 50. Otherwise hmm. I'm sure you can just help and yeah. keep, keep doing your lawyer thing, which would have made sense. So, he thought about it not not really that long and quit that job and the rest is history. So when you say you started, what are, what do those early days look like? How do you figure out yeah, know, product starting, placement? I mean, before we were selling, we got this piece of equipment which is basically about the size of a, a washer dryer and it freezes pops, 88 pops in about 30 minutes, 40 minutes, just mm-hmm. a lot faster. So it also it's the size of a washer dryer it also plugs into the same uh, outlet as a washer dryer so i remember having the cord rammed in there when we were testing and trying to figure it out eventually we got a shared kitchen at irwin street market Mm -hmm. um and i thought initially i was gonna have like a little shop like a couple hundred square feet shop that's kind of what a lot of like the places had in latin america uh that i had seen was inspired by um but ran into a bunch of, I had about $7,000 saved, and I ran into just a bunch of hoops, which I probably should have foreseen, like a grease trap and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and it was just not going to happen. So found a push cart in Austin, Texas, drove out there to get it, came back and started like with the other company's branding still on it. Like It just said, <laughs> like I think, something in Spanish about dreams, I think. I can't remember exactly. Uh, and just set up there with like a small chalkboard, didn't have the rainbow umbrella yet, would figure that out a couple months later. Yeah. And just, it was anxiety inducing to kind of sell something for the first time, but right. it kind of took off. And, it's and you, you set up way. shop where for the first time? Uh, so North Avenue, North Highland, so yep. Ponce Highlands, uh, right in front of Buddy's. We were had kind of bored through the winter so we had painted a big mural on the laundromat and Mm -hmm. i mean it was cool it was cool to get to know a part like a very specific i lived about four blocks down the street and just to get to know like literally everybody in an area sure is pretty unique like most of them didn't buy pops but and i didn't necessarily know all their names but we would you'd have like never-ending conversations typically about things like the Braves or the weather not necessarily yeah. like the heaviest stuff but you talk to people every day and it was kind of cool yeah and that was what time of year did you open started, up the stand? I think we started April 1st I mean yeah. I, I remember setting a deadline of whether I've got something figured out or not April 1st is when we're gonna start uh, so started then um, I think we did some friends and family-ish stuff at Irwin Street Market before that, but in earnest, April 1st, yeah. How long was it, Stephen, before you kind of realized, okay, like we're, we're providing folks something that maybe they don't they don't have or, you know, yeah. we, we hit a nerve here that, okay, we're going to have to figure out more than yeah. one cart. Yeah, I think I, I realized when we hit a nerve was at, I know when it was because it was called May Day and it was at Serenby. I can remember selling out there of a couple hundred pops, which was mm. like, that just seemed ridiculous, like yeah. to make four or $500. Mm. And then um, I, my brothers were working the cart at North Avenue, North Highland, and I called them. I was like having a celebratory beer and sandwich. 
kind of feeling all happy. And they were like, hey, uh, we're out of pops. And there's like a group of 30 people following us back to the kitchen to get whatever we've got out of the freezer. And I was like, oh, man. And yeah, they, they didn't sound like happy. They just sound like kind of stressed, like they were about to disappoint a bunch of people. Right. And I think from that point on, it was pretty much everything we could do. But I still don't think we thought like beyond that winter it was necessarily something. It wasn't like we were making a pitch deck to investors or sure. thinking about how we could really expand hiring. But it was I, I remember that moment just being like, Okay. We gotta it figure was, out. It was yeah. I mean, it was a different level of work. The first three, four years were like I don't know that I could do them again. Now like if you don't know what you're getting into, you can <laughs> kinda do it. But I don't I don't know that I could necessarily do it again. Like yeah. just basically work all day, get in the kitchen and freeze stuff until about one or two in the morning. We didn't have like our production down yet. So like we would leave them in the freezer unpackaged overnight and then come back really early the next morning, put, cause they'd be harder and like more right. frozen, put them in the, ca- in the, we worked in the freezer that in the morning, sealing them. Uh, and then would like immediately go out and that was every day for, I mean, till the end of September, beginning of October, probably that year, just kind of crazy to think about the, the kind of amount of energy and effort it takes. And then I've also kind of been, I've been thinking a lot about it with just the 10th year stuff and trying to write and reflect on it. And also just like the amount of free labor we were getting, like, Mm parents neighbors friends it was just fun to be around so people would i'd get back and they'd be waiting to kind of help cut fruit at like 6 7 p.m or whatever i mean it was definitely a a lot of a lot of work to kind of get started but yeah yeah well i want i want to talk about the evolution of of how you guys got to where you are today but how did you decide so your first product line that you're going to offer to folks how did you decide what flavors and and the process you're going to go by to Yeah, I've to got make a, just a lot I guess a decent amount of testing. I would say earlier on we were much more like Latin influenced and it took mm-hmm. us kind of a year or two to just say like hey, let's not try to recreate something that's happening really great and mm-hmm. focus kind of on what we are think we're making that's really good. So sure. that's when like a lot of herbs got introduced and kind of classic southern desserts like banana pudding or whatever um but yeah i mean the to be honest some of the chocolate sea salt was my sister-in-law's recommendation she mm-hmm. had had a, a really good i think chocolate bar or something in Asheville. i think mm-hmm. so this would make a good pop and so I, that one's been around since the beginning uh quite a lot of them are and we still make i mean like a pineapple habanero and a mango chili lime which are like very like uh, Latin flavors, but, um, yeah, I wish that I wish there was more to it other than just kind of, these were ones that we had tasted that we were kind of riffing off of. And then, um, just a lot of trial and error. Yeah. Yeah. So were you making enough margin on pops in those early days to kind of be putting some away and, and make yourself more efficient? Or did you know that there was going to come a time where you needed some like capital influx or, or yeah no we never like? we've never gotten any investors <laughs> our whole i mean in the in the summer i think part of how we could work so hard is that we knew that there was a deadline basically right. like we knew we weren't going to be out in november december doing that same sure. thing so it was like i mean like squirrels gathering acorns or something like we knew we had to get <laughs> as much 
of money right now in order for us to make it through the winter. Right. Um, so we, I mean, we basically stopped middle of October. Um, I think Nick and I each took pretty long vacations, month or two, like to just different places. We'd, we'd also spend a lot of time together, so we didn't necessarily <laughs> need to hang out more at that yeah. moment. Um, and then I can very, I can vividly remember just thinking when we were starting back the next year, like, is anyone going to remember this? Hmm. And I think it was probably three years of kind of like, uh, I don't know what that would be called, where people were like fanatical about it to some extent. Like I can remember people driving from like Conyers and I would just be like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's pretty good, but like they would come and there'd be lines. And I mean, I don't think you can ever necessarily replicate that. Like I think we (laughs) try with new flavor offerings and stuff like that. And I think that's, we'll get like people that'll come from far and want to try stuff. But that's exciting to just feel like you're in the middle of it. And, uh, infinite potential really yeah 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 so uh, you open up for summer number two have you outfitted a bunch more carts what was strategy kind of after that first year and and seeing how it kind of we had hired two uh friends basically um that had worked with us a lot the year before for free Mm -hmm. and i can remember we said like hey i don't think there's going to be any pay beyond uh whatever date sometime in the fall we don't really know when and we can't really tell you how much we're going to want you to work but we paid him a thousand bucks a week i can remember that we're like Mm -hmm. we'll we'll keep doing this as long as we can and i love i i think back about that just about how simple it is and like as the business grows we've gotten siloed and done different things but when you're that small you just are just such a team like there's no like communication issues just show up okay we're going to produce now we're going to leave up. Oh, we have a catering. One of us is going to go to that. It wasn't like a whole, oh, have you been working too much type thing? Because sure. we were all right next to each other. <laughs> yeah. doing We've all been working too thing. much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, not sustainable either. I mean, it wasn't like, like I said, I, I couldn't do it again. I don't think I would. And I certainly wouldn't feel right asking someone to mm. do something that I'm not doing. So, Sure. Yeah. Well, you already touched on it, you know, starting maybe beginning of April and then there's a hard, you know, deadline from where, when people are buying popsicles, yeah. you know, at the mid-October point. Yeah. And I know you guys' business now uh, sort of takes account for that. Yeah. So talk about what you guys do outside of just the, the pops yeah. to make sure that um, you can keep a year-round cash flow going yeah. and, and tell me the reasons why that's so important. Yeah, so we started, I mean, we got approached by a Whole Foods buyer like our second year up at Buddy's at that corner. I mean, it was amazing. I met bankers. I met everyone that we like do business with basically sitting in a uh, plastic chair there. Yeah. But uh, so we got hooked up with Whole Foods and they've been like truly an amazing partner. Um, And they kind of helped us get what we needed together to be on the shelf. (laughs) And we're in about four or five hundred stores now whether it's literally on a shelf or in a glass top cooler Mm. for like coffee shops burrito type places and then just this year we've um launched a box so we've always sold them one at a time and for the first time we've got a box out so we've got a four pack of kind of four of our most popular flavors and then i'm wearing the shirt right now but we've got a a new line called prince of pops which is slight about smaller pops no sugar added designed for Mm. for kids to 
eat more regularly than maybe a treat of a <laughs> cookies and cream yeah. pop, which maybe they shouldn't eat. Uh, it's my favorite, by the way. Yeah, my it's favorite. a good one. Yeah. Tough to beat. It's a great one. Um, and then talk about the, you know, the, the winter time. You guys completely switch gears. Yeah. And I know, um, you know, tell me how the decisions there came about. Yeah, so we started a business called Tree Elves, um, which is a Christmas tree delivery company, uh, which the purpose of it, in addition to create Umos, our company purpose, Unexpected Moments of Happiness, was to just keep the part-time staff employed for another couple of months. Yeah. So we basically dress up as elves, set up their tree, spread some cheer onto the next house. Um, so that's been, I mean, that's kind of the same as the origin story for King of Pops. It's just like a lot of kind of fun to look back on memories of schlepping hundreds of trees around, <laughs> up, up apartment complex, stairs, all that type of stuff. Yep. Uh, but it's fun to dream, like think back about. So we do that. And then we also have a food distribution company called Perfect 10 that uh, we represent, I think we're up to 58 brands around the South and deliver them to stores. So uh, the idea there is that King of Pops were already driving to all these places. If yeah. there's some other awesome brand that wants to sell to those same places, we feel like a much we're much easier to work with than like the the huge distributors of the sure. world that have sure. all kinds of different uh, rules and kind of difficult, sometimes difficult to do business with. Right. Yeah. And you guys, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you source a lot of your own um, uh, produce now. Yeah. So we also have a, a farm called yep. King of Crops uh, out in Winston, Georgia. Yep. Um, I was just out there yesterday. We're working on maybe some, like we think there's a good space for gatherings with a lot of space and that's what sure. we've got. So seeing if we can figure out how to have like a, a beer component out there, but it's basically a farm on about 70 acres. Uh, we grow blackberries, blueberries, goji berries, pears, basil, mint, um, pawpaw. We've got some chickens out there and then compost now has a really big compost operation out there. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, a uh, it's a cool space. We've got a tiny house that we rent. We're trying to kind of figure out uh, what it looks like for us um, long term. And it's 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 like a mix of event space, like you said, produce for our pops, which yeah. in reality is a small percentage. But it still mm -hmm. like helps you learn a lot about how incredibly difficult it is to do that. Sure. Um, and then... Yeah, trying to just be a kind of a, a leader in sustainability where we can and, and hmm. being really trying to be thoughtful about it for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, like you said, Stephen, you guys were coming up on the 10th year anniversary this yeah. year. I know you probably had some huge plans, yeah. you know, to, to celebrate that. You've moved, you know, like you said, a couple of years ago into a larger facility just to kind of streamline your production. And then this big, ugly COVID, you know, rears yeah, its damn him yes uh, <laughs> rears his head and i know it's had an impact on everybody yep. um in the city what uh as things were starting to to really get nasty with covid what realities were you guys faced with and how that was going to impact your business yeah it's interesting for sure and i think with the way that ppp played out it was tough to know kind of what all was going on so yeah I feel like I probably learned more this year than any other year. Um, but yeah, I mean, to start with, 
we all just kind of were saying, oh, yeah, I mean, maybe a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And I can remember Ultra is a music festival down in Miami got canceled. And that was in March. And I was like, oh, man. And then I think like Austin City Limit got canceled and a lot of these mm-hmm. big festivals that we go to. And then it just slowly started getting worse and worse. And um, I mean, so we're very lucky to have that wholesale part of our business where some of the grocery stores were doing good. But realistically, that's about 20, 30 percent of our sales. Wow. Um, so the cart business and the catering just took a huge hit. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the good things is we hadn't hired much part time staff yet because it was the very beginning of the year right um so we all kind of bumped down a level got on the carts but the fact of the matter kind of for us is like you said we're a seasonal business and we're used to going through the winter like kind of using our cash reserves and then working our way back up all year yeah and the problem with this year is just kind of like we're, we're facing con- we, I'm, sa- I'm I'm explaining it as like consecutive winters it's like hmm. we went through one winter now we're about to go through another winter and then I'm pretty sure the regular winter is still going to come yeah. for, for this time so it's uh definitely tough a lot of difficult decisions just across the board that we're making kind of every month we're trying to be transparent thoughtful yeah, but at some point things are just less than ideal and it's already been some some really really tricky situations sure tough decisions i think are being made across the board by folks in small business especially yeah um all that being said and your business obviously being impacted um you guys kind of came up with a way of okay how can we sort of bond together with the folks that that live around us and and try to bring everybody out of the out of the depths, Tell, talk a little bit about how you yeah, guys are so doing Yeah, so we started that. a neighborhood partner program, which I'm super proud of, to be yeah. honest. And I think it's something that wouldn't have happened without COVID. So <laughs> if anything, maybe that's one positive for us. Um, it's essentially just a reseller program. Uh, people can get trained and, and learn how to operate, have like a usually a one to three zip code area where they're out on the cart slinging pops. And what we've seen this year is... I mean, kind of going back to what I was saying of getting to know everyone on that one street corner. Yeah. I know firsthand the power of of what that's like. And that doesn't necessarily, um, when a business grows, it just changes. It doesn't kind of do more of that. So what's really impactful for me to see is how people in Decatur and Jacksonville, Florida, and all of these places that we didn't have the ability like a sales force can never really kind of touch community in that same way we're now doing it so nonprofits that i never would have heard of um just selling in in cool places that are kind of this grassroots feel that is very appropriate right now Mm -hmm. so it's going really well i think we've got 20 partners uh our furthest north is in uh new jersey and our farthest south we just got i don't know if pensacola or jacksonville is farther south um and so I'm super excited about it. I'm hopeful about that. I think it's something we'll continue to grow. We'll focus our efforts here on kind of right in town Atlanta where, and and you'll probably see, um, see that kind of continue to be us continue to be focused on that area. And then we'll be building out this program. Um, I mean the realization kind of the very first time I realized like this is going to be really bad was, going back to myself getting laid off and Mm -hmm. feeling like I'm 
super grateful that I was able to do this. And what, sure. whereas I don't think it's the exact same thing. Um, we've learned a lot over the last 10 years and, uh, we can get someone kind of started on the right path if they're going to lose their job or have less employment. Um, and then it's been, I mean, the other thing that's been cool is it's attracted like a lot of, a lot of side hustle slash like young families. <laughs> um, and it, like with the, with the parents using it as like a, a tool to kind of teach their kids about business yeah. and being a part of the community. Right. And some of our most successful partners have been that. So I think it's a, it's a sweet spot of like a really low startup, a, a company you can feel good to work with. And then, um, it's not like a high pressure. Like if you're starting a McDonald's or an Arby's sure. or something where, where you're, you're putting on 50 grand yeah. down yeah, exactly. <laughs> as a franchise fee. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's cool. And you guys have been able to incorporate some other businesses and some other, um, you know, makers yep. and, and, uh, yeah, food companies been, and it, that it sort of thing. It feels like it's fitting really well, um, yeah. with what we're doing. I mean, the winter still is coming, so we're trying to figure out sure. what we want to do with that, but, uh, kind of one day at a time yeah. for now. You got some Christmas trees to cut. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Awesome. Well, you know, that's a big part of it, but, and I know this answer probably would have been way different a year ago than yeah. it is now, but you talked about sort of doubling down on Atlanta, you guys in this building here. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, like you said, there's, there's going to be fewer seasonal employees that are hired in different markets. What do you see the next, next couple of years for, for King of Pops? Do you guys have any big goals outside of, of what you're doing with the neighborhood partners program? Yeah, so like you said, neighborhood partner is a big deal. Um, we, the bar that we have at Pont City Market has done really well through this and before this. So we're going mm -hmm. to be opening um, a couple more kind of brick and mortar locations. Yeah. Uh, we rolled out soft serve late last year over at Wonder Kid. Uh, <laughs> so that has been interesting just with, <laughs> with the environment. But yeah. we're, we're talking to people about opening. We're, we're kind of lease negotiations for a few more spaces like that because the the revenue is a bit more repeatable and predictable yeah. in a space than than cart sales so i keep an eye out for that and then i do think we will continue to focus more than we have on the um selling into stores so um we've always kind of focused on the cart first and put thought like Publix or something like that would never be possible. But I do think, uh, we'll continue to try to, we do really well with independent stores. We'll, we'll continue to try to build that part of our business as well. Sure. I think the next 18 months, whether we are back to normal at the beginning of next year or not, like that's kind of a, a pretty sure bet. So, sure. Yeah, sure. Well, Steven, you guys have built a brand that is sort of synonymous with Atlanta in a lot of ways. People Appreciate think of, of the city when they think of your brand. Um, last thing I want to ask you is you're in this business now that you've been in for 10 years, you've worked with your brother in it, you know, we're a family business as well. So yeah. I know that provides a whole different yeah. dynamic as well. Yeah. What does the brand King of Pops mean, mean to you now personally? Um, just on a, on a personal level, is it, does it strike pride? Does it, is it oh, yeah. strike stress? <laughs> Maybe all of the above. Yeah I, mean, I think, yeah, I think, I think it's definitely stressful. And as yeah. you grow, you have a bigger responsibility than sometimes you, you wanted to sign up for. So sure. I think like yeah. in this exact moment, that's a feeling, but I think it's, it's what you, it's, it's what you're doing. If you want to keep growing, you, you gotta, yeah. you gotta kind of bear that burden. But now I'm, I'm extremely proud. 
and I think the culture has grown so quickly and so much beyond us and is a part of the people that both work here in this office and in this like out on the carts but also just the community and um really what i'm most proud of is just being able to kind of nurture that and it's it's such a hard thing to describe but just to be able to in our little way provide whether it's 20 pops for a pta meeting when they're trying to raise money for something or uh yoga event or or things like that like a, the the event we have at the beginning of the end of the year those are the things that feel special and like yeah. sometimes i wonder if it's just like it feels special because i'm obviously super close to it but um it is it is something that i'm, I'm confident is beyond that and and people come out and um appreciate what we're doing and so that obviously feels feels really good but yeah i mean yeah. more than anything i remain proud of it and proud of the people that are here making it happen and um excited i think that just as everyone is i mean try to be product trying to be as productive as possible during this time but sure. excited and i think we'll look at we'll all look at the world a little bit differently after this no doubt and um trying to kind of have as much perspective as possible while we're in the middle of it i don't think it's going to go on forever <laughs> so once we get to the other side um how can we be better Sure. Yep. Well, and in, there's never been a more important time to provide an unexpected moment, exactly. of, moment of happiness. Yeah, that's what we're saying. So, that's right. Well, sir, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate uh, best it. Best of luck. If there's if there's anything that, that we can do on our end to, to help out, please please let me know. I'm so, about it. Thanks. Yep. Thanks. Appreciate you. From that first cart over 10 years ago to selling over 2 million pops in a single year in 2018. King of Pops is well on their way to landing on the Mount Rushmore of Atlanta's favorite companies. To keep up to date on all the latest Umos, follow at King of Pops on Instagram, or for more information, check out kingofpops.com. Atlanta Born and Brand is a production of Connects Media. We're a full-service digital media company focused on helping small businesses tell their story in the most effective way they can. If you'd like to tell the story of your business, we'd love to help. You can find us at connectatl.com. Make sure to subscribe to Atlanta Born and Brand and Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to be listening. If you like the show, we'd really appreciate a review and a rating. And of course, share it with your friends. Keep up with the show on social media. We're at ATL Born Brand on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hilliard. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you all soon.